standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. Last week, I went over to the Internet Watch Foundation to learn about all of the good work they are doing to try to combat the scourge of child sexual abuse online. Now, it's not the most pleasant of topics, but it is an important one. And I learned some horrifying, but I think vital facts while I was there. And I hope that you do the same. I interviewed the CEO, Susie Hargreaves. And she told me about the work they do, the problems they're up against, and what all of us can do to try to, firstly, to report any images that we may see online, but also to talk more about child sexual abuse as a subject. Because, like I say, it's not pleasant, but but it definitely merits further investigation. Um, It can tell us quite a lot about who we are as a society. So that is coming up now. On a lighter note, I'd also like to point out to you that February the 14th, Valentine's Day soon approaches and if you are looking around for something to do maybe because you don't think Valentine's Day is a great thing maybe because you're on your own on Valentine's Day or maybe because you've actually got a date and you're looking for something to do as a date on Valentine's Day for all of you you are all welcome I have the answer February the 14th we are at King's Place at 8 p.m. And we'll be holding our February In Conversation event. We've got two brilliant guests, political commentator and comedian Aisha Hazarika, who, as you well know, we bloody love. And actress and just general delight of a human being, Pauline McLean, who you may know as Mrs Doyle or from Rasheen Connerty's excellent sitcom Game Face, or the many other brilliant things that Pauline does. You can find out more and get a ticket either by going to the King's Place website or going to our website where we are standardissuepodcast.com. Until next time. I am here at the Internet Watch Foundation with its CEO, Susie Hargreaves. Hello, Susie. Hello, Thank Hannah. you for joining us. Probably the best place to start, if you could explain to our listeners what the Internet Watch Foundation is and what it does. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to tell you about the Internet Watch Foundation, which we call the IWF. The IWF was founded uh, over 20 years ago, and we're the UK hotline for reporting and removing online child sexual abuse. So we work in a number of ways. We take content down wherever it's hosted in the world, and we also issue notice and takes down to UK hosters. And we're able to take reports from the public who think they've stumbled across child sexual abuse. And we're also able to proactively search for that content. And we work with the police and with the government and with the internet industry to do everything we can to remove this terrible content from the internet. Now, I note there that you used the words of child sexual abuse content and not child pornography, which is... a noir of mine I have to say because you know it's not pornography it's child abuse absolutely you're absolutely right it's not pornography and we go to great lengths to kind of uh, say to people please don't say child pornography or kiddie porn or any of these terms because they don't reflect in any way the severity of the abuse that these children suffer and it also legitimizes what is a criminal act 
And basically, you know, looking at pornography is legal in the UK. Now, you and I, might we might personally disagree with it. We might personally have views about the role of pornography. But that's not what the IWF is about. The IWF is about illegal content, criminal content. And it's content which the making, the distribution and the viewing of is all illegal. And we want to make sure that people know we're not talking about, you know, uh, pornography where people dress as schoolgirls or, you know, that sort of stuff. Stuff. We're talking about children who are actually sexually abused, and every image is a real child who's been sexually abused. Can you give me an idea of what the scale of the problem is? Well, unfortunately, the scale of the problem is huge, and it's getting bigger. And the reason it's getting bigger is that as the internet and more and more people come online across the world, then more and more people have access to new services, new platforms. And um, the perpetrators and the criminals are always looking at ways to distribute this content and move as fast as they can to share it as widely as possible on the internet. So that's the kind of negative side of it. But also there's a positive side in that there are many of us around the world that are fighting this. So how big is the content? Well, how big is the problem? Well, you know, there are millions of images out there, but millions of them are also duplicates. So nobody knows how many exact unique images and videos are out there. But what we do know is that we're seeing more and more of it distributed and shared. And, you know, we need to do everything we can to stop that happening. Do we know where geographically it's coming from? Well, another thing that people get confused about with child sexual abuse is that the child in the image might be in one country, the child who's been abused. The content might be hosted by an internet platform in another country and then someone else might be viewing it in another country. So it's quite complex because it's a global issue. So when we look at the images of the children, uh, we can't necessarily know where they're from. What we do is we kind of look at them and the first thing we're aware of is if it's a new child, if it's a child we haven't seen before, then we do everything we can to facilitate that sort of victim identification and work with the police to see if there's anything that can be done to safeguard and rescue the child. So we will look at for clues within the images and the videos. So it might be that you'll have a particular plug socket, sometimes the sound on the video so you can pick up a language, sometimes you can make an assessment on, you know, the sort of uh, look of the furniture, but basically we escalate it as fast as we can to the police. And we did have one actually um, really good case for us where we really helped facilitate the rescue of a child a year or so ago where one of our analysts was looking at a video and it was of a very young child, unfortunately, but it was clear that the child was in the UK and in the bedroom where the child was, there was actually a primary school sweatshirt. And in the UK, primary schools often design their own logos. So we were able to locate the primary school from the logo, which zoom in on the logo on the sweatshirt. And that led to the child being safeguarded within 24 hours. And that, wow. that was a fantastic day for us because, to be honest, it just doesn't really happen. You know, we, the, the majority of children, we don't know if they get rescued. Unfortunately, you see children uh, with images can go back 20, 30 years. You see it, the child from very young right through to almost adults. So, you know, it's a really sad situation that we don't know and we are unable to rescue enough children. Do we know or do you know much about who is consuming or watching these videos? One of the interesting things about this issue is, of course, until people get caught, you don't know about them. And it's something that cuts across all classes, ages, 
and you know it's it's not something where you can say there is definitely a particular type of person who will look at child sexual abuse you probably know people who have been caught looking at images and you're you're astounded and they may be sort of pillars of society and you know there may be people from all sorts of walks of life what we do know from the research we've done with offenders is that probably the most the point at which they first access child sexual abuse is on the open web between the ages of 16 and 25. So what we're trying to do is kind of capture that moment and try and stop people and prevent them from actually developing a habit in terms of looking at child sexual abuse before they go on to be a major collector, before they go on to sort of access sites on the dark web. What we want to do is send out all the signals to say, this is really wrong and actually you should do everything you can to curb this behaviour right now before it becomes not just a, a problem to the children, obviously, who are sexually abused, because people don't realise that by viewing an image, they're re-victimising that child. Yeah. You know, just because you think you're not hurting that child, actually you are. And, you know, you know, I can tell you some stories of uh, children and survivors I've met and the impact it has on them. And unfortunately, you know, the children we see in the images, they are really young. So, you know, we're talking about oh, around half of the children we see are uh, under 10 and the more severe the level of abuse the younger the child so you know we looked at three years of uh, content that we'd removed and 65 percent of the content we removed on naught to two-year-olds was category a and, oh, Jesus. and category a is the worst level of content so that is rape and sexual torture so you know i really want you know one thing i really want to get across is this is not about kids wearing what I would call inappropriate mm. grown-up underwear or, you know, this is actually about little children being sexually abused. And, you know, um, it's really important that we talk about it now in a quite an open way because people just don't seem to be grasping the severity of the situation. As technology progresses, obviously, I mean, my assumption would be that would make your job easier, mm. but also that it would make the job of anybody producing child ab ab yeah. abuse images easier to distribute is that the case are you sort of stuck in a kind of stalemate of you you both develop at the, uh, using the same technology well you're absolutely right Hannah so that you, we have this situation where you know uh, as you'll know from uh, people in porn that they're they're sort of fantastically tech savvy and always sort of one step ahead people often tell you that some of the great technical and innovation happens in that area of, of of the internet and and when you look at the illegal content obviously we're fighting some people who are very very sophisticated technically but on a positive side we're also funded and supported by the biggest internet companies in the world so we're able to access the engineers from google from microsoft who help us try and develop technical solutions to stay one step ahead and each year you know we have new new solutions which can help us fight this so a really good example of this is like nine years ago when i started it really was the case that if your image was out there, it was out there. And that was all we, you know, it was just, I'm really sorry, we'll try and take it down when we find it, but it's pretty much out there for in perpetuity. Yeah. And that's really changed um, because, you know, we're now able to hash images and videos, which means we can put a digital fingerprint on a unique image. And then we can use that unique, that hash, that digital fingerprint, to go out and search for duplicates of that image. 
we also provide that list to the internet industry so they can make sure that if you try and upload an image onto one of their platforms, uh, so the big US companies use our hash list, if you try and upload an image onto there, it will run through our hash list and it will ensure that that image doesn't get uploaded in the first place. So it's, it doesn't stop people re posting it but it actually starts giving some hope to the victims and to give you a sense of what that means to the victims in the US if you're a rescued victim if you're a survivor you can opt in to be notified anyone is caught with your images on their computer it's to do with reparation to do with damages because you can get damages if you're um, a, a survivor in the states and one of the young women I met who was a survivor, this is a woman who was uh, rescued when she was 12. She was sexually abused by her f- stepfather from the ages of three to the age of 12 when she was rescued. She was now 18 and talking about this. She'd received over 1,500 notifications of people being caught with her images on the computer. But There were two stories she told me that were worse than that. One was that the police officer who'd been working with her for many years told me that one of her images they knew had been shared over 70,000 times. And I think the thing that really, really got me, and bear in mind I deal with this every single day, was she told me she was in a shopping mall, uh, she's in the States, and a man came up to her and said he recognised her from her images on the internet. So she, she said that it's not just that you walk into a room and you don't know if someone in the room has seen you online. She said she just felt physically unsafe the whole time because it never went away, that feeling. It, that really tells you the impact on people. So even if they're rescued, and this is an amazingly brave young woman, she's carrying that around with her. If we can find a way to remove those images, if we can find a way to go out there and search for them, it is a bit of a case of whack-a-mole, but it's also a case of we won't stop until we take them all down. Yeah. It's interesting that someone felt, I don't know, comfortable enough to tell them that they had seen her image. Very bizarre. I mean, obviously, because they've been looking at something criminal. Yeah. You know, so... But maybe it's a power thing. I don't know. I have no idea why they did it, but she was deeply distressed, obviously. It's kind of, indi- it gives an indication of maybe perhaps how blasé some people are able to be about about something which many of us find completely and utterly horrifying. Oh, I think that's a really good point. Whilst we have a phenomenal track record in the UK in terms of not hosting this material, so we host less than 0.4% in the UK, which is incredible if you compare in 2019 the Netherlands, which hosted over 70%. That's because we, we have zero tolerance to hosting. We find content, we issue a notice, we have it removed in under two hours. So, you know, that's a fantastic thing for us to be proud of in the UK. But the downside of that is we also have, according to the police, around 140,000 people looking at child sexual abuse at any one time. That will be content hosted outside of the UK. So we have, on one level, world-class record in terms of fighting this problem, and we have a fantastic partnership between the police, the industry, ourselves and the government. But people look at it because they think they can get away with it. So we have a major issue with people looking at child sexual abuse, and and predominantly men looking at child sexual abuse. I used to work at a, a local newspaper, and obviously when the internet arrived suddenly... There were stories of people being caught with 
because I, in those days people were still daft enough to take their computer to curries with yeah, right, all of the yeah. stuff on the hard I think drive. they still are actually. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't, where is it coming from? Where is this new thing coming from? But then I think, of course, what we've learned subsequently about things like Jimmy Savile, you know, in uh, those, mm. it was always there, it's just the internet has bought it perhaps more to the public eye. I think that, I think it, I think it's brought it to the public eye, but it's also provided the means. Yeah. So, you know, you know, if you go back in time, if you were interested in child sexual abuse and you wanted to get hold of some images, you had to actually know someone or yeah. you'd have to go to some, you know, some place far away or have it sent to you. But now it's a couple of clicks away. And and the other thing is it's easy to meet people who also are interested in it. So it normalises that behaviour. And if you think, you know, last year we removed 132,000 web pages. Now, each web page can have one or thousands of images or videos. And that's, you know, that's millions of images. And that's all available on the open internet. That's not stuff you have to pay for or go on the dark web. You know, so what we find is that this stuff is available on the open web. So because people can find people like themselves, yeah, it's an extremely worrying situation where that behaviour is normalised. It's about behaviour, it's about collections, it's about having unique images. It's not, you know, the, the content that is behind payment barriers is a very different type of content because that's more organised crime. That's some very bad people selling something, but they could be doing drugs or Mm. whatever. But actually, the thing about child sexual abuse is it's it's mainly free and it's it's, uh, available if you know where to look, which is why we do everything we can to disrupt the distribution. So we have a number of technical services we deploy to try and ensure people don't get to where it is. It's a a war of attrition, frankly. much be an international problem yes so you know a bit like global warming it needs an international solution do you think we governments need to be working more together to have a more sort of i suppose centralized or sort of coherent idea of what the problem is and how to deal with it yeah i definitely think that um uh, there's more that can be done internationally There are a number of international initiatives, and we're part of some. One called We Protect Global Alliance is an initiative which is bringing together many countries around the world, internet companies, not-for-profits like us, third sector organisations, and that's developing. So that's a really positive commitment. Um, But it's true that many countries have stepped up and many others haven't yet. So, you know, I, I identified the issue we have in the Netherlands. Clearly, something has to be done in the Netherlands because they need to stop hosting this material. But we're working with our government partners and partners in the Netherlands to do what we can about that. But also we have a situation in uh, countries like where the internet is growing where, frankly, it's not the top of their priorities. Mm. And particularly in countries like uh, in Africa, African countries and other countries, developing countries, on their list of needs, it's not the top yeah. top priority. And, you know, what we're also seeing, we don't see this so much, but what the police see a lot is the increase in live streaming for uh, live sexual abuse, where people can buy, you know sexual abuse on demand for 10 to 10 to 15 pounds and 
basically that's what children who are being exploited economically because they you know they're in such a dire situation that they're exploited on every level it's a kind of new phenomenon which we're yeah. going to try and tackle yeah i suppose many of those countries possibly have a problem with child prostitution which again i don't like the, the use of the word child prostitution yeah. it's still child abuse isn't it Absolutely, and there's often a link between the two as well, and trafficked yeah. uh, children, and you know, so it it is the really negative side of the internet. Yeah. So okay, I'm yeah. just listening to this, mm. I find quite upsetting. So you've been doing this for nine years. Nine years. How do you not take it home with you? How do you not go to the dark place? Okay, so we have 45 staff, and about half of them see content. So, obviously, our hotline staff, our analysts, are seeing this eight hours a day. And for those of us who do see content, the welfare of our staff is paramount. So, the first thing to say is that everyone's motivation at the IWF is to do some good, frankly. So, it's easy on some levels to do what we do in, when you have the context to do it. So, yeah. you know, we know why we're doing it. And we also can go home at the end of every day knowing we did make a tangible difference because we took some images. Every day we remove images and videos from the internet. But of course, we're all seeing some really terribly awful material. And so we have a very, very strong welfare programme. So we're very careful about how we recruit people. We don't just do a normal interview, we do a psychological profiling interview where we understand that they have the sort of resilience and support mechanisms to deal with this. There's a six-month training for our analysts. Um, We have mandatory counselling for anybody who sees images. We have an annual psychological assessment. We also have lots of group activities. Um, you may have seen in our uh, kitchen, we have like a, uh, we have a table tennis table. We have a kind of chill out area. Yeah. We're very careful about watching our staff. They never work overtime. They have uh, mandatory breaks. They have to look after each other. So, you know, we have to be really, really careful. And because, you know, our staff are everything to us. And in terms of does it affect people... I think I think everyone would be lying if they'd said it never affected them. I, I, and I would be worried if it never affected yeah. people. If you lose that sort of level of humanity or, you know, empathy, then you're in, in trouble. And what happens is that you people will... A certain image might spark a particular reaction from someone, remind them of someone. But generally, we're trained to deal with it, but we're also human beings... So we, you know, we really sort of make sure that we we accept that sometimes people just need to go out for 10 minutes. You know, I can only speak for myself here that it does affect in some ways how you how you view people. So, for instance, when my kids were little, I used to think it was wonderful them running around naked in, you know, the beach and all that kind of stuff. I've got grown up kids. Now I would be not worried about them running around naked. I'd be worried about other people photographing them or looking at them so perhaps it makes you a little bit more aware of other people and circumstances but if you um, took it home too much you just wouldn't sleep so to be honest as chief exec of the IWF I don't 
lie awake worrying about this I lie awake worrying about our funding yeah. our, you know you know the normal the normal things so so but it is difficult and we do have to look after people but you know there's a reason why we do it and I think that's why we're motivated to do it yeah well good for you because Thank I, you. I'm not sure if it's something that I could do and I am actually quite I've been a journalist so I am actually quite a tough person I've heard some horrible things yeah um, I bet and yeah. yes but I, I I don't think I I could do it how how do people help you? How does anyone listening to this think? How, how do they go about reporting something if they've got a worry, or how do they go about? So do you you are a charity, aren't you? Yeah, so we're a charity. Yeah, we are a charity. So we're always happy to accept any money because so, <laughs> we're a charity. So if you stumble across child sexual abuse, then you should do the right thing and report it to us. So you can report it on our hotline, which is iwf org.uk we need the web page so we need the url and then we investigate it and if it's uh, child sexual abuse we locate where it's hosted in the world and then we'll have it removed and you can also report to us anonymously or you can leave your details so if you just want to report anonymously you can do that we don't send your details to the police our job is just to take the content down if you want to know what happened to your report if it was child sexual abuse then we'll let you know as well so it's entirely up to you so that's how people can help the other way people can help is to really just not close your eyes to this and and ignore the problem but actually accept that we've got a major problem and that child sexual abuse online is a real really nasty thing and do everything you can to raise awareness of the issue and sort of generate a zero tolerance approach to it talk about it one of the things we really want to do which we're trying to raise the awareness of is a third of the content we removed last year was self-generated content and that's content that is created by the person in the images and videos so um what to describe what that actually means is that we see videos which are then harvested from their original place and they appear on paedophilic websites, child sexual abuse websites. Right. But the really worrying thing about this trend is that, you know, when self-generated content first appeared, it was kind of a selfie on a phone. That's just not the case anymore. These are children in their bedrooms in domestic settings on webcams. And unfortunately, of all the content we removed last year that was self-generated, 90% of the uh, content was of girls and 85% of them were aged 11 to 13. So we have got a major problem with 11 to 13-year-old girls who are going on sites. Lots of these sites are sites where um, they will be not no they are not aware of who's at the other end of the camera these are sites where people are asking them to do things they might start off uh, just asking for likes which takes them up in the ratings and it's almost a kind of popularity contest where they actually will end up doing things including some really really bad stuff and it will make its way onto a child sexual abuse website and i'll just i will explain a video i saw where which lasted about an hour it was a child that we aged at 11 to 13 little girl very vulnerable they're at a really vulnerable stage in their lives she's lying on a bed in a very very um, nice looking bedroom domestic setting over the course of this hour she actually engages in a category a activity 
and at one point in the middle of this video there's actually a knock on the door and um, what presumes a mother shouting dinner's ready so what I would say in terms of how people can help this is my message to mothers and fathers and carers is actually if your child is in the bedroom and they've got internet access and a webcam then they need appropriate supervision. I'm not saying they can't use them. I'm saying they need appropriate supervision. So, you know, 11-year-olds should not be on webcams talking to strangers. And you probably think they're safe in their bedroom, Mm. but they're not necessarily safe. And I don't want people to panic, and I don't want people to think the internet is really bad. But we do need to be aware that children need supervised. And... My heart honestly breaks as the mother of a, uh, a daughter to see these little girls who are so out of their depth. They haven't got a clue what they're doing and they're so open to flattery and thinking they're doing something really grown up. And I know what happens to that video. So it's a really stark warning, but we're going to do a lot of work this year raising awareness of this issue. So that's one another thing people can do. And then the, the the other thing I was going to say was, which I don't know if any of your listeners uh, are interested, but this is a really unpopular subject. You know, it's really hard for us to get uh, yeah. support for this from, you know, well-known people, from, um, you know, we get support from the internet companies and, you know, people, when you talk about it, either kind of shut down or, or go, oh, God, that's awful, yeah. I don't know how you do your job. But actually, you know, we need some role models to speak out as well. You know, we need people who've got, you know, who, you know, most people know children. So, you know, actually to be brave enough to stand up and support our work and say it's really important that we promote a a zero tolerance approach to this and we do everything we can to help these children. I think if you look at what's happening in Australia, for example, right now... Mm. uh, it's easy to put your head in the sand because who wants to look at photographs of burning animals? It's just, it's easier to say, I, I just, I'm shutting it out. I know it's happening and I, it's exactly the same sort of thing here. If it's unpleasant, people don't want to, it's cognitive dissonance, isn't it? I want to be concerned about <laughs> yeah. it, but also know nothing about it at the same time. I mean, even even though I've been doing this for nine years, you know, my partner, you know, when I'm at home, you know, if anyone asks me about my work, he always goes, don't tell them anything, don't tell them. Yeah. And I'm like, at what point in nine years have I ever said anything that was utterly inappropriate yeah. in, a, in a domestic setting? But his fear is that, you know, I might say something that might upset people. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, if you ask me what I'll do, what I do, I'll tell you. Yeah. But I'm clearly not going to go into, you know, the yeah. minutiae of the detail of what we actually see because it's it's inappropriate but sometimes we have to be honest about what we see and certainly a podcast like this which is why we're so grateful that you give us the opportunity gives us the opportunity to say it as how it is there was one last thing I, I, I wanted to to ask you or just to get you to clarify you specifically deal with child abuse images we do but you do get lots of calls about other things yes so there are places that people can go to about those other things yes aren't they yes so um people waste unfortunately quite a bit of our time and resources sending us reports that are outside of our remit we only deal with child sexual abuse online and unfortunately there's a lot of other unpleasant content 
I think people think, well, I just don't know where to send this, so yeah. I'll send it to the IWF. And the truth is, we don't do anything with it because it's outside of our remit, unless there was like a victim involved. Yeah. There are other ways in which you can report it to the police. Just look online. You'll get uh, helplines if you want to report different types of abuse. Like The sad thing for us is if you send us all your content, unfortunately, our analysts have to look at everything, which means that they often having to look at animal cruelty, beheadings other types of really unpleasant content which actually is off our remit and they're not trained to do so so please think about this type into google how to report the other stuff also please don't report stuff that you just think's inappropriate because if it's legal we won't do anything about it so a lot of people just report pornography to us and actually that's legal so of course we don't do anything about it And we only do stuff about stuff when we can actually say it's a child. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your time. This has been uh, horrifically interesting. (laughs) Thank you very much for having us. Oh, thanks so much. Standard Issue for All Women.